Lord, that's our heart and our desire, Lord, to, to walk in intimate fellowship with our Creator. We thank You, Lord, that that's possible, that we're able to know Almighty God in an intimate and personal way. And Lord, we know it has nothing to do with what we've done, but what You did for us. Lord, that we can be restored and redeemed and forgiven. And so, Lord, I just pray right now as we go to Your Word, You'd be our teacher. Father, minister to every heart that is here. We love You and we praise You. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You go ahead and turn your Bibles to Colossians 2, but before we look at the Word, good day to have a baby dedication on Mother's Day, I think. Amen. So if the Bjorkmans would come on up here, Bill and Michelle with baby Noah. I suggested Backbuck, but he just wasn't going for it. He said, want a biblical name? I said, how about Backbuck Bjorkman? I thought that sounded good. Well, most of you know that uh, Bill's one of the pastors here, and this is handsome little Noah. <laughs> well, it's a blessing to have, what a blessing that God called Bill and Michelle to be here, and Michelle heads up our women's ministry, and Bill's basically my right arm. This church would fall apart, you know, well, the Lord would take care of it, but I need some help. Let's just put it that way. I praise the Lord that he's here. And then just to see their family growing. This precious little boy and their daughter Abigail. Let's pray for Noah. Let's pray for the Bjorkmans. Heavenly Father, I just thank you and praise you. And worship you, Lord, for what a blessing it is to see children being raised in a godly home. By godly parents, Lord. Parents who love you and desire to raise their children to love and serve and honor you. Even their names, Lord, Abigail and Noah, Father, coming from Your Word, people in Your Word that had a heart and a love for You. Lord, we lift up little Noah to You, Lord. I just thank You for this little boy. I thank You that You foreordained before the foundation of the world that he would be born into this family. And Lord, that he'd be raised in a godly home. And Lord, we just dedicate his little life to You. May he grow up to be a mighty young man of God. May he be like his namesake, standing for You when nobody else will. Lord, may he listen to your voice when maybe no one else is listening. And Father, may he be salt and light and just be a used mightily for your kingdom. We continue to lift up Bill Michelle to you, Lord. May Bill continue to be a godly husband and father, an example for his son. May Noah be able to look at his dad and see what a godly man looks like. A man he can pattern his life after. Lord, also, when he looks at his mom, just to see a, a picture of a Proverbs 31 woman. And Lord, the kind of woman he would want to even marry someday. Just that example of a godly woman in his own home. So Father, I just thank you for these precious children. The gift from God that they are. Thank you for this family, Lord. And we just dedicate Noah's little life to you. And we just may you protect him. May you watch over him, Lord. May you use him mightily for your kingdom. We dedicate his life to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. You're a good boy. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Don't you love that? Love that stuff. All right. Colossians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, you're going to need one. We do study the Bible here if you're new. That's what we do here. So I want to encourage you. Get yourself a 
Open to the Word of God. Think, thanks. People, see, I told you I need help all the time. All right. All right, to catch you guys up, Colossians is a letter. By the way, did you like that Mother's Day thing or what? That was sweet. And I want to apologize to some of you moms. You're like, man, how come my kids weren't on there? And here's the thing. I only thought about it, the Lord, I believe, put it on my heart on Wednesday afternoon. I mentioned it to our assistant pastors, and man, they just moved on it quickly, and we only had the kids who were here on Wednesday night, so that's what happens, you don't bring your kids to church in the midweek study. I didn't plan to say that, it just come, there it is. It just comes right out, there it is, all right. Next year, hopefully, we'll get a jump on it, do it on a Sunday, all right. As we come to Colossians, again, we've been talking about this the last few weeks. This is a letter written by the Apostle Paul while he's sitting in prison to the believers in the city of Colossae. Now, it's written only 30 years after Jesus has ascended back into heaven, only six years after the church in Colossae had originally started. Now, the interesting part about that is that this July, our church here will be six years old. Um, We started with a handful of people on Sunday nights down at the vet's hall with a Bible study, and We're about the same age. So imagine six years into the church and all of a sudden there's all this heretical stuff going on. And the word comes to Paul and this church, though he had never been to Colossae, he had a burden for the church in Colossae because it was planted more than likely while he was in Ephesus just a few miles away. They sent some people out more than likely and planted a church there. And the word comes back to him that sadly this false teaching and false heresy was growing within the church and around the church. And you know what, guys? We've talked about this. There's nothing new under the sun because that's what's going on today. You know, the Word of God's being challenged all the time, isn't it? The deity of Jesus Christ challenged every day. I want to encourage you, and I'll talk about this more in a minute as we're going through this. Pray about coming out next Sunday night. We're going to fly that guy up from Southern California. I emailed him last night. He emailed me back again Hopefully the Holy Spirit is moving on my heart. But we need to be educated about the things that our neighbors and family and friends are seeing so that we can point them to the truth. Amen? And we can, you know, we're to equip you, but also to refute the lie. We're to equip you with the truth, but refute the lie. And next Sunday night, I want to encourage you to come out because I'm I'm I was blown away to hear that that, move, that book has sold more books, more copies than any other book in history except the Bible. It's now in over 40 languages. It's incredible. And as we'll talk about in a moment, some of the details around it, I want to encourage you. But he's writing this response because the false doctrines coming in, and the, much like the cults of today, they're teaching these, these lies. And what do cults do? They all do the same thing. You've heard me say it before. They make Jesus less and man more. Every cult does the same thing. Man is greater than man is. By the way, if you're here and you're visiting and you're a mom and God bless you or you're a child brought by your mom, here's the truth for every one of us. Here's the truth for every one of us. We're sinners in desperate need of a Savior. And it's not that we're so good that God can't do without us. He's so great that we can't do without Him. Amen? And so the truth is that we've fallen away and we chose to walk away from God and he loved us enough to send his son to restore us but the cults would teach us how wonderful we are how perfect we are and how little God really is the Colossian heresies included legalism legalism is when we add to the gospel when we say okay Jesus plus these eight other things 
you know, that are not essential for salvation, but in my opinion, they ought to be. And so here's what we're going to do from now on. And if you don't keep these things, you're not going to heaven. Praise God. We don't go by man's rules, but God's. Amen. Aren't you glad we're not listening to the, the list of rules that man comes up with? So one of the things going on in, in the Colossian church was legalism. Things like, like circumcision and keeping the Sabbath and having a rigorous diet that was necessary to truly be holy. The second thing was Gnosticism. And again, big words, but what it really means is a pursuit of some exclusive and mystical knowledge. What does that sound like? Sounds like a movie that's coming out on Friday. The pursuit of some mystical knowledge that just a few people really have. And if you dig really deep, somewhere deep in there, you're going to find out the real truth. Not unlike the foolishness that is propagated by the Da Vinci Code of some secret society who knows the real truth. A truth, according to them, that's been covered up for over 2,000 years. That the real truth is being revealed through a secret society, one of its members, in the paintings that he painted by a man by the name of Leonardo da Vinci. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. I, I am absolutely flabbergasted that people believe this. So there's a secret society and they were holding on to the real truth. And then he gave us some clues by painting some stuff in his paintings. And people are 40 million copies. And believe in this. Now, I want to say this. Because people see it in the movie, they're going to think it's true. People are going to believe it. Oh, it's written down. It must be true. It's in, and even though everything that he says has been disproven, people still believe it. The book and the movie are not harmless entertainment, but a full frontal attack on Christianity, God's Word, and the deity of Jesus Christ. It attacks the Word of God as being unreliable. Jesus is not the Son of God, according to this this book and movie, says his early followers didn't even believe that Jesus Christ was God, yet that's why they all suffered and died because of their belief in him. Amen? You know, I get fired up about this kind of stuff because I know that the enemy will take these things, but guess what, you guys? We've got the truth on our side. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we need to know the truth and not be ashamed of it. And we need to educate ourselves. So when someone says, oh yeah, man, did you hear that Jesus was really married to Mary Magdalene and they had a daughter named Sarah? It's in the movie. That's what it says. They also said that Christianity of our forefathers, we found out, is all a lie. I'll tell you what, if that Daniel Brown doesn't get saved, it's going to be real hot for him in the future. Now I'm praying for his salvation, amen? He needs to be saved. But can you imagine making those kind of attacks? against our Savior. God's Word is reliable if you didn't know it. Thousands of original manuscripts, things like the Dead Sea Scrolls that are proven the accuracy of the Word of God. It's proven to be flawlessly accurate historically, prophetically, and archaeologically. You've heard me say it a hundred times, here comes 101. 66 books, 40 authors, 3 continents, 3 languages, 1,500 years, 1 central theme, no contradictions. How is that possible? Because God wrote it. Amen? God wrote it. It's the living, breathing Word of God. And it all points to one central truth, that Jesus Christ is God. That He was made manifest in the flesh. And that He came and suffered and died that you and I might have eternal life. So this heresy of Gnosticism from those days, this mystical truth that's out there that we can find if we dig really hard. Guys, it's the simple gospel that's right in front of our face. He's, God is not hiding. Amen? He's not playing hide-and-go-seek with His people. He's proclaiming Himself openly in creation in His Word. 
He just so desires to have intimate fellowship with every single one of us. It all points to Jesus Christ. That heresy continues on today. Another heresy is a heresy called ascetism. And what it is, is really a harsh treatment of your flesh. Having to torture yourself to pay for your sin. Guys, when Jesus died on the cross, his last word was tetelestai, which is, it is finished. It's not, Jesus paid the price in full. We don't have to beat our flesh. We don't have to wound ourselves for him. He wounded himself for us. He paid the price so we don't have to. And he is indeed almighty God. Today we see many of these same things that were going on then, including back then as well, were Eastern philosophies. And they were caught up in astrology, paganism and astrology. And you know what? Here in Santa Cruz, man, is that us or what? Every Eastern philosophy that comes down the pipe, every one of them, we're caught up in it. Oh, but we're just bringing a bunch of good different religions together. Hinduism and Buddhism and transcendental meditation and karma and feng shui, which is my favorite, by the way. (laughs) Move your furniture and you'll have positive chi. (laughs) Chi is something you put on a ham sandwich, amen? (laughs) I don't, you know, but here's the sad part. The sad part is that people would rather believe that mess than the simple truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But guys, guess who's in charge of getting the word out? It's us, amen? And God brought you here to be salt and light. They're also caught up in pagan astrology, which is the worship of creation rather than the creator. Looking to the creation for answers rather than to the creator for answers. Guys, we don't look at the stars in the sky. We look at the God who put the stars in the sky. That's who we look to, the Creator. Not the creation, even though the creation does cry out His name. And then lastly, they worshipped angels. Today we see the worship of saints and, and Mary and angels. If anybody could be grieved in heaven, it would be Mary. I mean, if you could be grieved in heaven, I believe she has to have absolutely have no clue what's going on down here. Or she would just be absolutely grieved beyond belief. Don't worship me. Amen. Don't worship her. Don't worship Peter. Don't worship. They're sinners saved by grace. Amen. Just like all of us. She was indeed blessed among women. But we don't worship man. We worship God. And God alone. So, today we live in a society where if you make a stand and say that Jesus is the only way, it's considered narrow and bigoted. You're considered somebody who is not enlightened or open-minded enough. I prayed to God I will never be so open-minded that I think that there's something else besides Jesus Christ. He is the only way, the only truth, the only life, the only hope for all of mankind, and we should never water it down one bit. Some truth plus a small lie equals a lie. When you add even the smallest lie to the truth, it's now a lie. And so here's what's happening in, Col- in, the, in Colossae at the time. And Paul is writing this letter because his heart is breaking over all that's going on. They've gotten away from, this, from the simple truth of the gospel. So how does he refute it? How does he get their minds back where they need to be? What can you and I do? Well, we saw in the last two weeks that what he did is he boldly proclaimed the character and the person of Jesus Christ. He didn't say, let me be more seeker sensitive. Let me figure out a way where I cannot offend anybody. Let's take the crosses down and not mention Jesus because people might not like that. 
So instead, let's fit into the world. That's not what he did at all. We're not to try to be like the world, you guys, to reach the world. We need to be more like Jesus so they'll see what we have and want it. Amen? Amen. We don't need to be more like the world. The world needs to be more like us and more like our Savior. Now, we're sinners saved by grace. Every one of us. One beggar leading another beggar to the bread. But he begins to stress the supremacy of the person of Jesus Christ and the completeness of the salvation that is found in Him. If you were here last week, we looked at the preeminence of Christ. And these are the things we saw in just the last half of Colossians 1. And then we'll look at chapter 2. We saw in the preeminence of Christ that He alone is God. That He is divinely unique. He is our source of redemption and forgiveness. He delivered us from the power of darkness. He is the creator and the one for whom all things were created. He is the head of the body. He is the image of the invisible God. He holds all things together. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from among the dead. In him all the fullness of the Godhead dwells. Through him all things are reconciled. In him all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge exists. In him all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily and Christ in you is the hope of glory. You weren't here last week, get that tape. It ought to be an encouragement to you, amen? Amen. All of those things are true about our Savior. So having clearly communed the unparalleled greatness of our Lord and the fact that His role in all things is both essential and non-negotiable, guys, you can't be saved without Him. You cannot be saved without Him. By the way, creation could not last for a nanosecond without him. He's holding it all together, you guys. People want God to get out of their life. No, they don't. Because if he let go for half a second, it'd be all over. Amen? He's holding it all together. He holds creation in his hands. He's our source of reconciliation. So now, in light of the greatness of our Lord, he's going to warn and encourage and exhort the believers not only to know how great God is, but now live in light of the fact that He is great. Guys, it's not enough to know who God is. It's not enough to believe things about God. It needs to be impacted in how we live and move and breathe. Everything we do ought to be impacted by who we know our God to be. Amen? The character of our God. And so we're going to see, as we go through chapter 2, we're only going to look at the first half of it this week. Some of you are saying, praise the Lord. But here's the thing. First, we're going to see there's an, a, there was an attempt, as we've seen in the previous chapter, attempt to add to God's work, to add what he's doing, add good works to him, and then placing man's wisdom above him, and then promoting other paths beside him, and in this chapter he's going to tell them, no, it's all found in him. Title of the message, if you're a note taker, is two words, in him, in him. Eight times in the first half of this chapter he's going to say with him or in him. Because guess what? That's where it's all found. In Him. With Him. In Him. In whom. Each describing not only what can be found in Him, but how we should live in light of who we are in Him. Guys, it's not knowing about Him, but walking with Him. So beginning in verse 1, of the message titled, In Him. In Him we have, under, we have wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. In Him we have wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. So Pastor Dave, are you saying that apart from Him we have no wisdom, no knowledge, and no understanding? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Without Him we're clueless. Is that true or what? It is. Look at verse 1. For I want you to know 
What a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you. Here's the Apostle Paul. He's sitting in prison. He hears about the heresy that's going on in Colossae. And instead of saying, here's the conflict I have for me, I'm sitting in prison. He says, here's the conflict I have for you. And the word conflict there is where we get the word agony. Paul's saying, I'm in agony because I hear of the things that are happening within the church in Colossae. And it says there that there's agony not with those who are teaching false things, but the agony is within himself because he is so torn up and brokenhearted for the believers that are there. It says, for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. There's no record of Paul ever going to Colossae. Paul never having met them personally, yet he agonizes in fervent prayer on their behalf. Wouldn't you like to have a friend like Paul? I mean, he's never met him, and he's praying for him with great fervency. You know, there's very few things that bless me more than when someone will drop me a note that I've never met. Maybe they hear us on the radio or whatever it is, and they just say, hey, pastor, what you know, I'm praying for you every day. I think, wow. I don't, hey, that's better than a million dollars. Amen? For, and we need to fervently pray for one another. And here's Paul's heart. He's never met him. He's sitting in prison. He's not playing ain't it awful and woe is me. He's not crying out, well, I'd, I'd let God use me if I ever got out of prison. He says, you know what, this is where God has me. Let God use me. i got a captive audience. I'm witnessing to some guards, as we've seen in previous chapters. Amen. People getting saved. Why are they getting saved? Chained to Paul 12 hours, you're going to get saved. You're going to get saved or cut the chains off. Something's going to happen. But he's, so he saw every opportunity. He said, look, I'm in prison. i got a lot of free time on my hands. I'm going to pray. Amen? Maybe your health is such these days where you aren't able to get around as much as you used to and you see it as a curse. Maybe it's a blessing so that you can pray more. Amen? We need to start looking at everything from an eternal perspective. So too, you and I can fervently pray for others beginning with family and friends, but also as we grow in our understanding of the Great Commission and our burden for the lost, may we pray on behalf of those we've never even met. You know, we support as a church, I think it's around 150 GFA missionaries and, and uh, children. You can start praying for them. Amen? We may never meet them, but we'll see them in heaven. You can pray for the orphanage in Haiti, where that we support. You can pray for the Pregnancy Resource Center here in town where they're doing a great and awesome work saving children's lives. You can pray for the division within the body of Christ. What did Paul pray for? What did he pray? What did he pray for them? What was, in, what did he, what was on his heart as he prayed for them? Look at verse 2. It says they, he prayed that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love. The first thing he prayed for is that they would be encouraged. The word encouraged there is also where we get the word comfort. Paul knew that a discouraged and downcast Christian was an easy prey for the false teaching of the world. And he said, Lord, I pray to be encouraged in you. And so he prayed that they would be encouraged, that they would be comforted. As Christians, we are comforted and encouraged by others. And the greatest, but the greatest comfort comes from the comforter. Who's that? Well, who is that? Holy Spirit. Amen? I will send you another comforter. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. 
And so he prayed that they would be comforted, that they would be encouraged. encouraged. But he also prayed that there would be unity. He says there, being knit together in love. That the believers living in the midst of turmoil and false teachers would not be fighting with one another, but instead would be knit together. This is my prayer for the churches in Santa Cruz. Lord, may we be on the same side. You know, we're not trying to see how many people go to our churches. You know what, guys? Don't take me if this wrong. I don't care. You know what I care about? Seeing people saved. Seeing people on fire for God. And if they're going to XYZ Church down the street, God bless them, and that's wonderful. It doesn't matter which boat you get into as long as you get to shore. Amen? And so the whole point here is, is I want you to be unified. I want you guys to be on the same page because the world around you is propagating a lie. And we're the ones that have the truth. And we should not be fighting with those who have the truth alongside of us. We should be walking together, reaching out to the lost, and again, joining in our efforts. The word there, love, I'll give you one guess. What do you think that word might be? Agape. Agape. Very good. It's agape. It's a selfless love that esteems others greater than itself. It's a love that originates with God. He said, knit together through a common bond of godly affection. Now, there's a difference between unity and uniformity. Uniformity is what Hitler tried to do. Right? What governments try to do you're all going to live in the same kind of house and you're all going to wear the same kind of clothes and you're all going to you know make the same amount of money and, uh, and that's outward pressure for uniformity but guys unity doesn't come from outward pressure but in for inward transformation it's not us outwardly pressuring one another to be the same it's us falling in love with the same god and so we live the same type of life The body of Christ should be united by our common love and burden for one another and our common love and burden for the lost, not divided by heresy and false doctrine. This is Paul's concern. It ought to be our concern today. He says, And attaining all the riches of the full assurance of understanding. Paul was also concerned that they would understand. Guys, I I pray that nobody walks out of here ever saying Again, when someone asks you if you're going to heaven, I hope so. He says here, and attaining in all riches of full assurance of understanding. In Greek, it means most certain confidence. Guys, we can know for sure that we're going to heaven. Amen? Amen? It's not a hope so, it's a no so. You know why people hope so? Because they think they've got something to do with it. They're hoping, they're like, well, man, I've been kind of blowing it, I hope. Right? You going to heaven? Well, man, you, man if you saw my week, uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't even ask me. And so what happens is we think that we're part of the equation, so when we're blowing it, we, I hope I'm going. Guys, it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with Him. And He's not changing. He's always perfect. He paid the price in full, so we're going because He said so. Now, that applies only to those who have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. You realize you're a sinner, you ask Him to be your Savior, you invite Him into your life, His Spirit of the living God comes to dwell inside of you, and you have the promise of heaven. The Holy Spirit is a down payment on heaven. And His prayer was that you would have a full assurance of understanding. He's saying, look, I want you to understand who you are in Christ and who Christ is, so that when the lies come, you'll go, what are you talking about? Because they will come. They're going to come and they're going to say, oh, but have you heard this newest thing? Oh, the new book of Judas that's out. 
That's as much garbage as the Da Vinci Code, all right? Guys, I got enough reading to do right here, let alone reading the stuff that's not from God. How about you? I need to read this more. Spend more time in God's Word. He says the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God. What is the mystery of God he's talking about here? Of the love and kindness and mercy and character of God and understanding the person of God and the mystery of his plan to redeem sinful man back into himself. You know, the whole time they were sacrificing in the Old Testament, they didn't grasp that the Messiah would be a suffering Messiah. They just didn't get it. Even the apostles, did they get it? No. Not until after the resurrection. And it was a mystery that the Gentiles could be saved. Aren't you glad that that's true? Amen? And so this mystery of God, he says, I want you to understand with full assurance the mystery and the truth of, of God and of Jesus Christ. The mystery that God's plan was to bring salvation to the Gentiles. That the Old Testament sacrifices all pointed to Jesus. And we'd have full assurance of God's character. How do you have full assurance of God's character? Spend time in His Word. How do you have full time of your own, full assurance of your own salvation? Spend intimate fellowship with the Lord. Again, I don't want it to sound wrong, but I know I'm going to heaven. And I'll tell you what, that gives me a whole different perspective on life. Amen? Nothing's a big deal when you know where you're headed. It's all good. It's okay. The worst thing the world could do to me is the best thing that could happen to me. Amen? Shoot me dead, I'm in, I'm in glory. So don't threaten me with heaven. Amen? And so the whole point is that you see that our perspective on everything in life changes. Our perspective on the trials of life change when we have an eternal perspective. It is a no-so and not a hope-so. And that a full assurance comes from the knowledge that our God, that our salvation rests in God, not in us. In what Jesus did for us, not in what we do for Him. Verse 3. Last of verse 2, excuse me. To the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. His desire is that we would know the Father intimately. That it comes through the power and the interceding power of the Son, seated at the right hand of the Father. That we would understand the mystery of what life is all about. People are trying to figure out what life is all about. People say there is no answer to that question. I took a philosophy class, which was a mistake, but I took a philosophy class in college. And I'll never forget him saying, there's no such thing as absolute truth. And you just try to get all ambiguous and, you know, and just giving you, trying to give you a headache, right? But here's the truth. There is absolute truth. And his name is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Amen? There is absolutes all around us in what God has done and continues to do and the promises that we have through his word. It says in verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Look what it says. In whom are hidden, not from whom, in whom. Amen? So guess what? You're not in him. No wisdom. People don't like it when you tell them that. I've got four earned PhDs and a, you know, that's great. And I'm not bad-mouthing education. That's a good thing. But you better make sure that you know him or you don't have any wisdom whatsoever. Guys, we shouldn't be baffled by how much worldly education people have. I've studied under the greatest... You know what? I've studied under the creator of the universe. How about that? 
How about my best friend created the universe? How about that? How about the spirit of the living God lives inside of me? I don't need to hear from you. You need to hear from me. You got four PhDs and you still don't know Jesus is God? Okay, bro, let's lay it down now. Let's give you some real wisdom. Because it's found in Him. In Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Guys, that's why we don't go to the world for counsel. We go to the Lord. We go to the Word of God. We go to God's people. We ought to be counseling one another, amen? Spirit of the living God lives inside of us. We don't go to somebody who's spiritually dead for godly counsel. We go, we go to them to give them godly counsel, amen? So Jesus has all the treasure. And some people are constantly looking for new things, going from one religion to the next, trying to find the newest and latest revelation. Guys, there are no more new revelations. It's in our hands. We've got it. Aren't you glad? I'm glad God's not going to change his mind. I'm glad he's not going to bring out some new thing and all of a sudden. And you know, the sad part is people are always looking for something new because they won't trust the simplicity of the gospel. The wisdom of men, the Bible says, is foolishness to God. Jesus, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Amen? In Him, all wisdom and knowledge are found. You want to be wise? Get into God's Word. You want to have wisdom? Know the God of wisdom better. Amen? That's what we need to do. Verse 4. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Guess what? There's an enemy out there who wants to deceive every one of us. Did you know that? And he's not going to show up and say, by the way, I'm the enemy and I'm here to deceive you. So be on guard. He'll show up looking pretty good. Right? Maybe wearing a white shirt and a tie with a little badge on. I don't know, right? But he'll show up looking really good. And he'll have some things that have some truth in them, but they have lies in them too. And what did we say before? You add a lie to the truth, you got a lie. And you know what? The Greek word for deceive means to delude or to reckon wrong. To deceive by false reasoning. Lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Now guys, I want to make this really clear. We don't check our brains at the door, amen? Oh, I'm a Christian, so I believe by blind faith. I believe in spite of what I know to be true. That would be superstition and foolish, right? You know what you call people who try to prove the Bible wrong, guys who study the Bible to prove it wrong? You know what you call them? Christians. Because they get saved every time. Guys go, I'm going to prove the Bible wrong. I'm going to prove it. Ask Josh McDowell. He was going to write a book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, to prove the Bible wrong, and end up Evidence That Demands a Verdict proving the Bible to be true. He got saved. And what is amazing to me is the people that are narrow about the Word of God and saying, oh, it's an old antiquated book. Oh, it's just filled with a bunch of... Uh, and I say, have you ever read it? Well, I'm not, not, not so much. <laughs> Sir, you're an authority on something you've never read. Well, um, yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. Wouldn't that, isn't that dumb? Well, uh, yeah. So are you dumb? Well, I guess so. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> the point is that people get caught up in their own intellect... We're comparing ourselves to God, you guys. It's a lot smarter than Him. Well, we can always find someone maybe not quite as sharp as us. But we don't compare ourselves to each other. We compare ourselves to Him. Amen? How are we doing? Not so good. We need Him. Amen? He's way smarter than me. Aren't you glad we have a God who's so awesome He can't fully figure Him out? 
He's way greater than you think, way better than you think, way smarter than you think. He can't learn anything. Did you know that? That blows your mind. There's your headache right there. God can learn nothing because he knows everything, right? That's the God we serve. And so the whole point here is that don't be drawn away by the persuasive words of men. Trust in the true and living word of God. Wearing the disguise of wisdom and humility, people will come and bring persuasive words. And again, they'll look really good. But guys, that's why we need to know the truth so we can recognize the lie when it comes. Verse 5. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order, the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. You know what? He's concerned about what's going on there, but at the same time, he's blessed that there are those who are there walking with the Lord. And so in the midst of his exhortation and warning, he's encouraging those who are walking with God for being steadfast, the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Guys, faith is not good enough. It must be faith in Christ. Faith is only as good as the object you place your faith in. You can place all the faith in the world you want in a dead statue. Not going to do you any good. Amen? You can put all the faith, oh, I just got faith. And we act like faith is this movable, powerful object. Like we command faith and make God move. No, by faith, He makes us move. Amen? He gets inside of our hearts and grips us. And He says, I'm with you in spirit. And I like that. He's with them, though in prison, through prayer. And I, I just love that. You know, I have such a burden to pray more. I have such a burden for us as a church to pray more. You know, every time God does something great, people are praying. Is that true or not? Every time. You look at the people in the Word of God that you admire the most, that God's hand was on in such a powerful way, and guess what? They're all people who prayed. And then the Word, it's interesting, the word steadfast, you know what the Word is? It's where we get the word steroids. Steroma. It's true in Greek. And you know what this is saying? That which has been made firm, solid, strong. And you know what? The Lord's desire that by our faith we would be strong in Him. Amen? And we can have strength in Him. So He's warning of the false teachers delivered to those who are walking steadfast in the faith. He's encouraging them to keep their eyes on Jesus. So in Him we have wisdom and knowledge and understanding. But also in Him... Point number two, we are to walk, be rooted, and built up. Guys, salvation is not the finish line, it's the starting point. You know, again, that we got to get people there, that should be our passion, our desire, but it's not the get out of hell free card and then go live like the world. We get saved, that's where we start, and now let's start growing in Him. You know, when a baby is born, that's not the end, that's the beginning of the growth, amen? We are born again. And we should not be spiritual infants for the rest of our life. Amen? We ought to be growing. And so the desire is that we would walk and be rooted and built up in Him, that we would be growing in our faith. And for we, we are to be in Him the rest of the way in every aspect of life. Look at verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Having received Christ, having entered into intimate fellowship with Him, again, not the finish line, but we need to keep on walking. Being a Christian is not the one-time decision. You know, as a pastor, it's so hard sometimes when you do a memorial service. 
and you go to do the memorial service, which is not for the person who died, because they're not here. But the people will always be grasping for some event somewhere in the history of the past where the person may have walked an aisle and prayed a prayer or said they believed in God or something. And certainly at that point, you're not going to discourage that because there's nothing you can do for that person. But you can minister to the family. Guys, I would pray that we'd be living so on fire for God, nobody would have to grasp at anything to know that we've been saved. But we'd be living it all day, every day. That everybody would know who we are in Christ. Amen? Not this, well, yeah, he was on crack, and yeah, he'd been divorced four times, and yeah, he didn't have a job, and yeah, he died in a, you know, in a, trying to rob a bank and was shot. But when he was four, not so much. I'm not being facetious, but guys, we try to turn you know, salvation to this little thing we did with God. I, it was, for eight seconds, I prayed a prayer, and now I got it, now, and that's it. Guys, our lives should change. Amen? We ought to be different than the world. Growing in our faith. Walking in Him. Not knowing about Him far away. Walking in Him. Having received Him as Savior, now it's time to call Him Lord. Amen? Make Him Lord of your life, not just Savior. He didn't just rescue you from a burning building and leave you on the side of a road. Amen? He adopted you into His family. And you're one of His kids, and you're to walk with Him the rest of the way. Verse 7, rooted and built up in Him. Rooted, the Greek there means to be thoroughly grounded. So we need to be grounded in Him. Built up, in the Greek means to finish the structure for which the foundation has been laid. So there's a foundation that's there at salvation, and now we're continuing to be built up and be made stronger in our relationship with Him. Guys, I absolutely believe that we ought to be closer to God next month than we are right now. And every year, we ought to be growing more and more and more in Him. Not retiring from our faith at some point. Well, I kind of peeked out with God, and now I'm just kind of cruising. No, Show me someone in the Bible that did that. Uh, well, there are a few, but it didn't work out too well for those folks, right? The point is that God wants to continue to use us. Guys, our life is but a vapor. We have only so much time to serve the Lord. It says, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. The word established means to make firm. Are you firm in your faith? Are you firm in your faith? Are you grounded in your faith? Do you know Him intimately and personally? Is Jesus Christ your best friend? When I was a youth pastor, I used to say, are you married to Jesus? Because the Bible says we're His bride, right? Is that how firm your faith is? Or is this something we do every once in a while on a Sunday? Do we really know Him? God's desire is that we would be in Him, not know about Him. Established in the faith as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving. You know what? That's the one thing that happens when you get grounded in your faith. You start to have a heart of thanksgiving, don't you? When you realize what God's done for you, how can you not praise Him? You just can't stand it. I love listening to praise music in my car because, by the way, you can sing at the top of your lungs and it bothers no one. Amen? (laughs) But the point is, don't you just love to worship the Lord? And I want to encourage you, and again, I I know this is kind of heavy on Mother's Day, but here's the point. Guys, if we're not worshiping God, something's wrong. The Bible says out of the overflowing of a man's heart, his mouth speaks. So if I'm in love with the Lord, I can hardly stand it. And I want to worship Him. I can't wait to get to church on time to worship Him. Ouch. 
You know I love you, right? All right. Love all of you very much, and God bless you if you're related. It's okay. But the point I'm making is that my heart is, you know, I just can't, I can't wait to get here. I can't wait to worship. I look forward to it, amen? To get to it, not a have to. I get to come. I get to fellowship. I get to worship. It's not, oh, scored another brownie point with God. That's not it. It's I'm coming to hang out with the one who I love the most. Guys, we get our stability from the Word of God. The deep roots of God's Word. God doesn't want you to be a shallow Christian. He wants you to have deep roots. And the Word of God is the seed that is planted on good soil and bears much fruit. So in Him, we have wisdom and knowledge and understanding. In Him, we are, we are to walk and be rooted and built up. And in Him, we are complete. Look at verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of this world, not according to Christ. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and deceit. The word cheat you there means to spoil you, to carry you off captive, to lead you away from the truth. The word there, philosophy, could also be interpreted intellectualism. The love of knowledge and the world's values. Guys, again, we're not checking our brains at the door. We should study to show ourselves approved. A workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But you know what? There's a whole lot of things in this world I don't care to spend five seconds studying. What value is it? None. So why bother? You know, every once in a while, I'll start to read a book. Somebody will give me a book. I'll start to read it. And I find for me, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with reading books. We've got a Christian bookstore over here. Some good stuff in there. But here's the point. I find for myself, I start reading, and it's not very long before I put it down and pick this one back up. I just, I like this one. It's my favorite right here. And so set the other ones down. And again, there's some really good Christian books. And you've heard me say this before. Christian books are like vitamins. Vitamins added to a good meal are helpful. You start living on vitamins, you're going to die of malnutrition. Amen? you got to have some meat and potatoes too, amen? So read the Bible. And so we see here that this philosophy could draw them away. This, these vain things of the world. The empty deceit, the foundationless falsehoods that lead people astray. It's so sad that people will believe a lie so easily. And you know what? If you believe the truth, people will sometimes mock you, won't they? How about evolution? How stupid is that? You've heard me say it from the, from, the, from the goo to the zoo to you. I don't think so. Lightning hit a puddle. and I mean, no way. And you know what? They keep changing what they believe. They change it over and over and over and over and over and over. God's word the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. You know why? They keep changing it because they keep finding out, well, that can't work. That doesn't work. It's a, oh, that doesn't work either. Oh, that's a mistake. Oh, well, that's, you know. And then so you know, they do, they keep after adding more time to try to make it more possible. If you add a few more billion years, then maybe it could really happen. It can't happen. But sadly, people will follow foundationless falsehoods and be led astray and miss out the simple truth, the most simple truth of all, the, one of the greatest Christian songs ever written. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Amen? Amen. There it is. Oh, that's too simple. I've got I've to really, you know, devote some time and 
dig deep into the... You know what? If you're going to dig deep, dig deep into this. Amen? Amen. Dig deep. Go ahead, please. I encourage you. The way the world thinks and acts is contrary to the way that the Lord thinks and acts. Again, it says there, the principles of this world not according to Christ. False teaching is according to basic principles, not according to Jesus. Jesus is the only source of true wisdom. In verse 20, it says, Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? He said, look, if you died with Christ, why are you still subject to the world? Why are you still worried about the world when you're in Him? Verse 9, For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Anybody who doubts or questions whether the Word of God teaches that Jesus Christ is God, there's another verse. And underline it. In Him dwells some of the fullness of the Godhead. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in Jesus Christ. This is a dramatic, airtight declaration of the full deity of Jesus Christ. Christ, since all the fullness of God dwells in him, he is fully God. What do the cults do? Make God less, make man more. You come join our cult, and again, they won't tell you it's a cult. You know what? God's revealed this great truth to us. And did you know that you're going to be God of your own planet one day? And did you know you're going to have multiple wives and you're going to populate that planet? And the God of our planet used to be a man on another planet, and then he became God of our planet. That's Mormonism. That's it. Now my bashing on the Mormons, I want to see them saved, I love them. And so does the Lord, amen? I want to see them saved, but I don't like what they teach. Because it contradicts the Word of God. And someone's got to love you guys enough to share the truth with you, so when they knock on your door, you don't think they're the Baptists from down the street. They don't believe what we believe, amen? They believe that Jesus and Satan are brothers. Yeah, how about that for some doctrine? I don't think so, Amen? So the point I'm making is it doesn't matter how good you look outwardly. What is the truth? And the, He is in Him. The fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. Jesus Christ is God. And He cannot be one of many gods. He is either the only true and living God or for you He's not God. Which is it? Verse 10. And you are complete in Him. People say, I, want, I, I, I'm trying to, I need to find something to complete myself. I'm feeling incomplete. And when the guy tells you, you complete me. You know what? Our completeness is found in Jesus. Amen? We're incomplete without him, guys. We're incomplete. You know, you've heard it said, the God-shaped vacuum. Until we get Jesus Christ ruling and reigning in our life, our lives are going to be empty and void of any real meaning. The meaning, the hope, the passion, the truth is found in Jesus Christ alone. This can only be true if Jesus is truly God. And if He were not God, we couldn't be complete in Him. So anytime someone says we can't be complete in the Lord, they're taking away the deity of Jesus Christ. When they say, okay, you need Jesus, that's good, but you've got to do this too. Oh, Jesus is good, but you've got to have your first thing and your other this thing and this confirmation thing and this other thing. You've got to do this and baptize in our baptismal and all... And they give you a list of 47 other things. You know what you just did? You just took away the deity of Jesus Christ. You just made him a liar when he said, Tetalistai, it is finished. 
If it was true what they were teaching, he would say, there's a good start. That's not what he said, amen? Aren't you glad? He said, it is finished. In him, we have wisdom and knowledge and understanding. In him, we are to walk and be rooted and built up. In him, we are complete. Last couple of verses. I want you to see this because if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, my prayer would be that God would grip your heart right now. Look at verse 11. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Verse 13, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Praise God. Amen? He's saying here, there's a list of things that we've done, a list of where we've fallen short. Here's the list of all my sins. And here's the good news. He wiped it all clean because he nailed it to the cross. He says here, it's not the keeping of the outward fleshly circumcision. He compares it now to baptism, the picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Guys, we're not saved by the outward keeping of the law, but by the inward transformation of the Holy Spirit. That's how we're saved, amen? As He transforms us into the image of His Son. How does He do that? We come before Him broken, and the result is forgiveness. So, Here's the point. If you're here today and you thought you were coming to make your mom happy, I'm glad you came. I'm really, I'm really blessed you came. You're here by divine appointment. Did you know that? God foreordained before the foundation of the world that you would be here this morning. And there's nothing better that your mom would love for Mother's Day than to see her son or daughter get saved. But don't do it for her. You need to do it because you realize you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that, that in you is our hope. In you is our peace, our joy. In you we have forgiveness. In, who, in you we're new creations in Christ. Lord, in you we can be rooted and grounded and walking and growing. Father, I pray if there's even one person here that doesn't know you today. Father, that today would be the day of salvation. That they wouldn't trust in any other way, any other path anymore. Lord, that they would realize the truth of who you are. The risen and living Savior who triumphed over sin and death. Lord, I pray even now, Lord, that as you draw people by your Holy Spirit, that they would not hold back, but they would respond and say, yes, Lord. That every head bowed as you just pray, if you're a Christian, pray for the people here who don't know the Lord. You know what? The Lord desires that you would walk out of here a new creation in Him. The Bible says in Romans, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved to the glory of the Father. You're not saved by anything you've done, but what He's done for you. It's time for us, some of us in this room, no doubt, that do not know the Lord, to, make, to get right with Him today. Maybe you've known about Him, but you're not walking in Him. You can walk out of here, a new creation in Christ, heaven bound, filled with the Spirit of the living God, forgiven for all of your sin. If that's your desire, I'm not asking you to join Calvary Chapel. We don't have membership here. I'm just asking you that as the Lord is moving on your heart, that today's a day of salvation, 
just to sim- do something very simple. The Bible says, you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. What I would like for you to do right now is just simply raise your hand so I can pray a simple prayer with you. And the simple gospel can bring you the truth of salvation and eternal life. Is there anybody here at all? God bless you. God bless you in the back. God bless you over here. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Today's a day of salvation, you guys. Eternity's hanging in the balance. He loves you. Anybody else? If you raise your hand, we're going to play a worship song now. What I'm going to ask you to do is simply to come forward. We're going to have some pastors here to pray with you. And again, you're not joining our church. We're not going to ask anything from you. We're just going to pray and help you understand the commitment that you desire to make today. And you can know for sure you're going to heaven. And it doesn't get any better than that. Amen? That's what it's all about. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do pray for those that raise their hands, Lord. And I do pray they would, again, just step out even now and come forward and take the time to just say, Lord, I want to be right with you. I want to know for sure I'm going to heaven. Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is the one who draws us. And Lord, I thank you for those who responded by faith to the move of your Spirit upon their hearts. Father, we love you, we praise you, we worship you. You're such a great and awesome God. We can't even describe you because you are indescribable. May you bless and and be glorified during this time of worship. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Let's stand and close the word. Come forward, some pastors will be up here to pray with you.